Sunday's episode, I said that this was going to be the second straight year in which we had the same exact playoff top four in order for three consecutive weeks. It happened last year, same top four in order for three straight weeks. Didn't happen the first four years of the playoffs, 14, 15, 16, or 17. And I said we were going to have the same top four as the last two weeks this week. Then on Tuesday night, Ohio State jumps LSU. That didn't happen. A little surprised on that. Maybe I shouldn't have been. The gap must have been smaller than I thought. Also stunned by Baylor's jump. Don't understand Baylor's jump at all. They beat Texas at home. Texas sucks. Being Texas at home is not worthy of that jump. I think Michigan going to Indiana is a more impressive win than than Texas losing to Baylor. Andrew Dottie back on the High Motor Podcast. We're going to do a giveaway on this episode. Really simple, like before, just leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Screenshot that review, tweet it to at High Motor Pod or tweet it to me at 8 Email the pod, highmotorpod at gmail. Any one of those options, we'll grab a winner from that pool, send you some free crap. So, on this midweek episode of the High Motor Podcast, Kirk Herbstreit, kind enough to drop by again, college game day, going to Minnesota for the first time ever. And like always, Chase Kitty back to break down some week 14 lines that Minnesota Wisconsin line, Ohio State Michigan. Talk some FCS playoff lines. Chase can win you some money there. A ton of other stuff. Kirk Herbstreit, Chase Kitty, College Football Week 14 on the High Motor Podcast. Kirk Herbstreit back on the High Motor Podcast before Week 14. And Kirk, last time we talked, you were going up to Iowa State for game day for the first time ever. And during that interview, you said how now at that time you felt so much better about Iowa State being able to retain Matt Campbell in large part due to that huge buyout. Now going up to Minnesota for the first time and P.J. Fleck, he's getting that same type of attention that Matt Campbell has got for the last few years. Uh, P.J. has that a big buyout for at least a couple of years after signing the extension. Do you think Minnesota can actually hang on to Fleck? I think so. You know, I, I think that, that I love that they got really proactive <clears throat> at the right time when coaches were being let go. Um, you know, right away there's going to be speculation about about certain coaches that are younger and, and kind of trendy names. And, of course, his name always going to come up with the death that he's had. Um, I thought it was a, a really smart move. I thought it sent a message to people that this is our coach and he's not going anywhere. And I thought it was really smart of P.J. Fleck to be willing to do that. And to, I think it helps with the recruiting. It helps to show that there's a commitment there on both sides. And, you know, right now, I can't imagine, you know, this, he's in a Big Ten school. And, you know, you, you get Minnesota going the way Wisconsin's been going for a long time. You know, you're, you're right where you need to be as far as a coach and having a chance to win a championship at a Power Five school and ultimately have a chance to win a conference championship and make it to the playoffs. So, you know, I, I think right now he's in a really good spot. Staying with Minnesota, one Minnesota-related playoff scenario I love your take on. So if Minnesota beats Wisconsin this weekend, shocks Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game, and then we'll say Utah wins out, Oklahoma wins out, Clemson wins out, LSU wins out. So you'd have 12-1 Big Ten champ Minnesota, 12-1 Ohio State, 12-1 Pac-12 champ Utah, 12-1 Big 12 champ Oklahoma, and then 13-0 LSU, 13-0 Clemson. I think we can both agree that LSU and Clemson are comfortably in, probably as a top two seeds. So from that group of the four other 12-1 and teams, again, Minnesota, Ohio State, Utah, Oklahoma, who are the other two teams in that playoff scenario? Gee, that, that's, a, that's a tough one. Um, you know, I, I think Georgia would be out. Obviously, Alabama, I think, would be out. 
I think Utah would probably be in. And I think the discussion would probably be, you know, Ohio State and Minnesota. And, and it's hard to imagine, you know, people bring up Ohio State and Penn State. That was like week five or six when Ohio State lost to Penn State. And uh, the year that Penn State ended up like beating Wisconsin and Ohio State still went to the playoff. This is a different scenario because it would be the last game of the year. Um, and even though Ohio State's been very, very consistent, you know, or you could have Minnesota in and then have Ohio State and Utah as a discussion um, on whether or not Ohio State, because of the consistency of who they've been, you know, if they get blown out, and I think they're out of it, but if that's your only blemish against the team that eventually makes it into the playoff, then I think they would probably pull Ohio State <clears throat> and Utah out of that and try to make sense of who should go. And I can't imagine Minnesota, uh, if they beat Wisconsin and they beat Ohio State, um, boy, they're going to have a really strong argument no matter what happens around them to have a chance to make it into the playoffs. And like you said, Alabama is still kind of just hanging around there. One of the winners with that Oregon loss, depending on what happens in the Pac-12 championship game with Utah, do you think Alabama has been fully deserving of their top five ranking over the last few weeks, or they're sitting at five because they're Alabama and a lesser brand name, if you were to swap them, wouldn't have been ranked there with that exact same resume that Alabama does have? Well, I think a couple things. Number one, I think you have to start with it's not fair to punish a team yet that hasn't really played a game without their marquee player. And so you see how they play against the team, like this week. Everybody's been waiting to see Alabama against Auburn with Mac Jones. Like, that's, that's the reality. Um, and I think whether it was Alabama or whoever it was, it was definitely had earned the right to be in that five range. I don't think anybody really is going to be taken out of that spot. Uh, now, if they, if they play and just do enough to get by Auburn, you know, I, I think they're eventually going to get past. I don't think it really matters. If they lose, I think they're going to get, obviously, passed. If they win and they dominate Auburn in a rivalry game, that at least will put them in the discussion. I think people right now are panicking because they see that big A, they see that big Alabama brand. Uh, to me, they're just kind of a placeholder for now. I think eventually you're going to see either a Big 12 champion, Oklahoma, or I think especially, even though Oregon lost, I think Utah is the winner. I think Utah, if they beat Colorado and they beat Oregon, if you're going to be worried about a team, to me it's Utah. I think Utah is going to go by Alabama. And if Georgia loses to LSU, I think Utah ends up being that fourth team. And if you're a Minnesota fan, you know, you're hoping, like we just talked about, if, if uh, Georgia loses to LSU and Minnesota were to win against Wisconsin and Ohio State, and Utah were to win out. That's where you get into that real discussion over is, is Minnesota automatically in? Does it come down to Ohio State and and uh, Utah for that four spot? Those are things you can speculate. You really have no answer at all to. But uh, I would not worry about Alabama. The, the reason the time you need to worry about Alabama is if Alabama blows Auburn out and the committee. They don't have a lot to look at on the resume with Alabama, 
But that closing argument without Tua, with Mac Jones at a rivalry game on the road, it allows the committee to maybe say, wow, maybe they still are one of the best four teams. That's the only case Alabama can make is that they're still looked at as one of the best four. Uh, other than that, they just don't have a leg to stand on this year. They just they really don't because of who they have played and to be quite candid how they look, especially defensively in those games. One off-the-field thing here with Oklahoma State basketball getting that, that level one notice of allegations last week from the NCAA. Uh, Kansas got it a couple of months ago, and after the FBI investigation that we've been watching for the last couple of years, there's been a lot of speculation that it's really only a matter of time before that bleeds into college football. Some of those revelations, some of the investigations begin into similar type of behavior. When you were playing the NCAA rulebook was a tad more slim than it is now, but I'm still curious, did you see any payments or any other very clear illegal benefits during your recruitment or in your time in college? No, I never did. I never did. And that's why to this day, I'm, I'm kind of a clown on this. Like I'm an idiot. Like I, I'm just, I talk to guys and I'm the most naive person probably that's in, in uh, covering college football because I never saw it. David Pollock and I argue back and forth. He acts like it's just a foregone conclusion. Everybody does it. It's a given. And I'm just like, how do they do it? Like, how, how does this happen? I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but how does it happen? Um, you know, in college basketball, I get it. These guys are, for now, they have to go for a year. These agents, they're all over these high school superstars that are 6'8", and they're pretty clear that they're going to be a first-round pick. And they come in to them in 8th grade, ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th grade. They're, they're dressing their high school team with Adidas or Nike or whatever it is. I mean, they, they build a relationship there. Like, I get that. I, I just don't get the college football thing because it's not as obvious as, as you might think it is. You know how many five-star, super freak, never going to miss guys bust in college? Forget about the NFL. So I think it's just a very different setting. I'm not, I'm not suggesting it doesn't happen. I'm just saying I'm oblivious to how it works and uh, seeing it firsthand or anything like that. I, I don't know anything about it. Kirk, I'd love to run you through our hurry-up offense here. Two minutes, rapid-fire questions. Two minutes on the clock. Number one, will Tom Herman ever take Texas to the playoff? Uh, I think yes. It doesn't feel good right now, but down the road, I, I've got confidence in his ability to recruit. Last time we talked, you said that you've considered coaching before. You've had some assistant opportunities. If you had your pick right now, if you left broadcasting right now and became a coach for the 2020 season, what current college staff would you like to join more than any other staff? <laughs> uh, I'll just say my alma mater is you know, home, so, and I love Brian Day as a guy. Uh, yeah, I, I, would say, I would say Ohio State. Yes or no is Urban Meyer coaching USC in 2020? No. Is Bob Stoops back coaching next season? No. Do you think that the Big Ten regrets adding Rutgers? Oh, absolutely. Who would they add instead of Rutgers? If they could kick out Rutgers tomorrow, who would the Big Ten target as their replacement then? Um, well, maybe Pitt. Do you think that, that we'll have an 18 playoff within three years? So we'll say three years from now, by the 2022 season, will there be an 18 playoff in college football? Yeah. If if you're an AD starting a college football program right now, you can hire any group of five coach in the country. You can't touch a power five head coach. Only group of five, but you can take any coach. 
who are you hiring to run your program? Luke Fickle. Is Chase Young the Heisman winner if he plays those two games, or is is Joe Burrow still the runaway winner no matter if Chase Young's Chase Young misses those two games? Um, I think Joe Burrow would still be the winner because I think of the 900 and however many voters there are, um, 50% of them don't pay attention to college football and should lose their right to vote on the Heisman. So I don't have confidence in the voters to vote for what would be deemed the best player, not best offensive best player, but best player in college football. So I would not have confidence in the voters based on past history. And the last one for you, Kirk, you do a ton of work with Allstate, uh, one piece being that Allstate mayhem moment. So one prediction from you, what's going to be that Allstate mayhem moment in Week 14? I think the Auburn-Alabama game will be, I think there's a few games where we're going to see some mayhem, but I think uh, I think the biggest chance will be in the Iron Bowl this week. Kirk, it was great to have you back on the show. Always appreciate the time. Uh, safe travels this week. Hopefully you get that snow that you're looking for up in Minneapolis. Yeah, thank you, man. <laughs> I hope so. I appreciate it. On Sunday's episode, I said if the favorites win, and we were talking playoff scenario, I was saying if the favorites win, it'll be these teams in the conference championship game. And one of that, I was assuming that Minnesota would be a favorite at home versus Wisconsin this week. And hours later, the line was released. Depending on where you were looking, where you're currently looking, Wisconsin between a two and a three point favorite. I was absolutely stunned by that line. Chase, were you as shocked as I was? Do you like either side in this game? Do you care about this weather that's coming? Well, the first thing I thought when I saw the line, which is something I reference a lot when I see lines that are set at two and a half, is that's a little bit of a trick. A lot of the times they they sort of want to bait you into betting the two and a half point side, and Vegas wants to be on the plus two and a half side because, you know, logically you see two and a half and you think, oh, I'm under that three number, so I'm good to go. And then I looked into it and I saw that a lot of people were actually on Minnesota here. Uh, so that it sort of made me question my evaluation of this line. Uh, what's the really quickly? What's the breakdown percentage wise of people that are on Minnesota as of we're recording this on Tuesday? So as of now or whenever you saw it, what is it at? Uh, I believe I saw it at like sixty percent Minnesota, like fifty eight forty two. And it hasn't really moved. I mean, what I'm seeing right now is still Wisconsin. A couple of sites have it at uh, five dimes this morning. Had it at two and a half. Some had two. Some had three. But even though sixty percent of the money is coming in on Minnesota, it's not moving at all yeah so per the action network 57 percent of tickets are on minnesota right now why is it not moving but here's here's the funny thing well it the ticket count almost doesn't matter at all when it comes to moving line it's all about where the money is and the money is on wisconsin uh but despite the fact that 57 percent of tickets are on minnesota uh 78 percent of the money is on wisconsin so there you go does that mean you're on Wisconsin then? Uh, I would lean Wisconsin here because of where the action is, yeah. Back to that other question, do you care about the weather? The weather this weekend is getting a lot of attention. Uh, Twin Cities is supposed to get, supposed to get smacked here uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then over the weekend, some projections like 7 to 8 inches of snow, depending on what uh, how cold it is and all that kind of crap. Do you care about the weather? As a general rule, no. I think it's a little bit overhyped, and I actually like to fade uh, sort of popular sentiment about weather when we get into bowl season, which I think is something we could talk about in a few weeks. But with this game in particular, because the offenses are so big tinny and so conservative, uh, the fact that the weather is now an element that could be in play as well makes me like the under maybe a little bit more than I would otherwise. 
Again, that under over under right now, 47 and a half. We're talking here on Tuesday. Let's move on. A Friday, a really interesting G5 game that could determine who's going to go to a New York Six Bowl. Cincinnati at Memphis. Memphis, a heavy favorite at home. 11 points. Uh, the total on that game, 56 and a half. Do you like any of those sides? Yeah, not really. Uh, maybe, maybe a slight lean toward the, I don't know, maybe the under. Uh, you, since you know both of these teams are going to be playing two weeks in a row, I think there's a chance that maybe they both keep it kind of conservative. But if you want to go with any under in a Memphis game, you're kind of taking your life in your own hands. So for me, this is kind of a stay away. There could be some value on Cincinnati plus the points. But again, if you want to go against Memphis winning a game in blowout fashion, they're playing really well right now. They're arguably playing like the best G5 team right now. 11 points is a lot of points to swallow. So I don't think I would want to be on the Memphis side, but it's really ballsy to take Cincinnati plus the plus the points here either way. So this is probably a stay away from me. Ohio State is the new number one team. I kind of just assume we talked about this on Sunday, like I said in the intro. I just assume that Ohio, or excuse me, that LSU would be number one. Ohio State would be number two. The gap would would um, get smaller depending on where the committee was on LSU and Ohio State. I just assume that LSU would be number one. Nope, Ohio State number one, nine point favorite at Michigan. The total on that game fifty one and a half. Uh, this is another one that's hard to handicap, right? We've talked a lot on this podcast the last month about how good Michigan has been since that Penn State game. And here, they're at home. They're catching nine points. Now, the number nine doesn't really do a lot for me, and I think it's actually down to eight and a half at some books. Either way, those aren't key numbers. So basically, you're getting more than a touchdown, but less than the full 10 here. I don't really want to go against Ohio State. I don't really want to go against Michigan because they're at home catching points and they've been hot as hell. If you're making me bet the game, I'll go ahead and take Michigan plus the points in a big rivalry like this. Uh, You know, you're always going to favor the underdog, but this is a stay away for me. Let's see if we can find something that you actually like. Let's go to the Iron Bowl. Alabama, only a three and a half point favorite at Auburn as Alabama hopes to kind of stay in that playoff picture, hopes they get carnage elsewhere. Again, three and a half point favorite at Auburn. The total is 50. Does this one interest you? It does, and I badly wanted to bet Auburn in this game for a few weeks now. I've talked a lot about how I feel like Alabama is a little bit overvalued. When you get into the gambling world specifically, there's always going to be a premium to bet Alabama because you know the public is going to come in on them so hard. But here I was wondering if the public might actually turn against Alabama. Uh, you know two is out, you know they've suffered some other injuries, you know they're a little bit overrated, and you know there's SEC fatigue. So there's a lot of people that just want to see them lose. And some more casual bettors will bet in a way where they're actually trying to sort of they're they're betting almost in a way that they want to see the world, right? So they're betting on Alabama to lose because they want Alabama to lose. I was sort of maybe a little bit surprised to to look at some of the numbers on this game and see that three quarters of tickets were still on Alabama. That being said, the Sharps are on Auburn here. It's a great number. You're catching three plus the hook. They're at home, and they are arguably the better team. So, yeah, give me Auburn plus the points. So on Sunday's episode, you spent a couple of minutes talking about how even though Oregon is out of the playoff picture. Yeah, there's, there could be some chaos scenario in which they get in, but but for all intents and purposes, Oregon is out of the playoff picture, but Oregon still matters a lot. As you and as other people have pointed out too, 
Oregon matters where they're ranked. If Utah were to beat them in the Pac-12 championship game, is it enough to get Utah in as a 12-1 and P5 champ? That also, because they're playing Oregon State at home, what Oregon State has done this season, basically coming out of nowhere to be one of the more consistent teams in the Pac-12. They get Oregon State at home. Oregon's still a heavy favorite, 19 points. The total on this game is up there right now. I'm seeing 67 and a half. A lot of intrigue with this game, even though Oregon should be out. Do you like anything there? Uh, yeah, I think if you're going to bet it, I think you got to swallow the points with Oregon. It's not normally something I would recommend in a rivalry game like this, especially one as intense as the Civil War. But on the heels of Oregon losing... I kind of like the idea of coming back, buying low, and having Oregon take out their frustrations after this loss, a loss that may have taken them all the way out of the playoff picture. Take out those frustrations on your bitter rival. Like I kind of like the idea of that. Now at 18, 19, you're kind of at a weird spot here, but you're basically betting on Oregon to win by three touchdowns. I think if you look at where the pros are at, uh, they are, for the most part, on Oregon State catching the points. I don't like public underdogs. I think over 70% of people are on Oregon State here. Uh, so I like the fact that Oregon, you kind of get them at a lower price. I'm not quite sure what to do with the total. My initial instinct was the over. I think that most of the sharp money on this game is actually on the under rather than taking a side. So not sure what to do there, but I do have a lean on Oregon minus the points. And so curious what you have to say on this game. Colorado at Utah. Just mentioned Utah. Um, We'll probably run through some playoff scenarios again this upcoming weekend, depending on what happens in the Pac-12 and elsewhere. But Utah at home against Colorado. They're a heavy favorite. Four touchdown favorite. 28-point favorite. But the total in this game is only 49. What does that tell you when you see a 28-point favorite with a game total under 50? It tells me that Vegas doesn't have a lot of faith in Colorado's offense versus Utah's defense, right? So this is this is a game where I want to lean on something that you and I haven't talked a whole lot about uh, this year, but I do think we referenced a lot last year on the podcast, which was a lot of times in football and in basketball, when the over, or I'm sorry, when the favorite covers, the under also covers. And I like the idea of Utah winning a game here like 38-3, to something like that. So I don't necessarily want to take Utah minus four touchdowns. That's kind of a square bet. But I do think the under is an interesting play here. Last one for you, Big 12, another team that's still in that hunt, Oklahoma, 13.5-point favorite, uh, Bedlam at Oklahoma State. This is the highest total I think that we're going to talk about here, 69.5. Is that total too high for you? Yes, it is, especially because I've seen some sharp action coming in on the under here. I don't really understand why you would want to take a side on the under here. This would probably be over or pass for me because this is sort of the half of the Big 12 where it's over or pass. Uh, but I, I think I would I would take a flyer on Oklahoma State plus the points here. I do think Oklahoma is a little bit overvalued. They're going to go on the road. This is a rivalry game. Oklahoma State is catching double-digit points at home. I like that scenario for the Cowboys. So I do think I will probably be betting Oklahoma State this week. You've harped on in the show a lot how much value there is in FCS football, especially for somebody like you that that pays attention to FCS football. You think that you have an advantage over the odds makers there. So with FCS playoffs starting uh, this week, and I don't know how many FCS fans we have that listen to the show, but again, a lot of value, as you've said there. Do you see any value this weekend with the first round? Yeah, 
I, I'd be interested to see what the lines look like next week when we get to the, the round of 16 and we have the, the buy teams, the teams that are off Thanksgiving weekend that, that have a first round buy. I'd be interested to see what those lines are because I think they're going to be really big in some cases. But when we get to this weekend, this first round of games, I do think there are some lines that are absolutely flat out wrong, wrong teams favored, Vegas hasn't been paying attention, that kind of thing. We talk about it a lot when we talk about FCS football. And the best example of that that I can give you is Illinois State at Southeast Missouri State. This is an unload your savings account game when I look at it, okay? And, and I don't think I'm, I'm being too hyperbolic here. Illinois State has been in the top 10, top 15 of FCS for most of the season, but they're not really all that inspiring. When you watch them, they have a nice tailback who looks like he's wearing down, but September and October, James Robinson was really good. Uh, but this isn't a great team to begin with. They play in the Missouri Valley. They play alongside North Dakota State. And I've thought for a few years now that both in the popular perception and in gambling, there's been a bias toward Missouri Valley teams because they all play a style that looks like North Dakota State, but there's only one North Dakota State. So I think a lot of them have been overvalued from the jump. Cut to a couple weeks ago, Illinois State's quarterback, Brady Davis, uh, tears his ACL, done for the season. Their backup running back, also done for the season. I mentioned James Robinson starting to wear down their star tailback. He doesn't look the same as he looked two months ago. They go on the road the final week of the regular season and get blasted by an under 500 Youngstown State team that wasn't even close to the playoffs this year. They lost 21-3. to This was three days ago. They lost 21-3. to Now they're going to go into the playoffs and play a good playoff team, Southeast Missouri State, they have to go on the road. They're a road favorite. This is absolutely wrong. They're like a minus one and a half favorite. They should be like plus six. I mean, it's such a wrong line. I am going to unload on this game. I'm going to find out what the FCS maxes are at all my books, and I'm betting all the maxes because this is just bad. How much money are you putting on that game? I'm, I'm, it's whatever the max is. If the max is two fifty, I'm putting two fifty. If the max is a thousand, I'm putting a thousand. I mean. It's it's a bad, I guess I, I guess line. Chase. What I want to know: How high would you go on that game? Give me a number. Uh, my total bankroll is in the low five figures right now, and I would probably come close to putting five figures on it. What's the big? Remember, you said you put like what ten k on? Was it on the West Virginia or the Cubs last year? The over twelve on the West Virginia season wins total last year. Yeah. Was that the most you've ever put on one single bet? That's the largest single bet I've ever placed. It was yeah, and look, I, I'm I'm a sharp and I'm pretty good at this, but I'm not in the same galaxy as some of these guys that live in Las Vegas and are, are betting, you know, three hundred and sixty thousand dollars on Yankees money lines and all this crazy shit. I'm not in that league, but I am pretty good at this, and I'll drop a big bet if I feel like the price is right and the spot is right. And last year, West Virginia, Will Greer's a senior, all those outstanding wide receivers. The you know the middle of the Big Twelve was up for grabs. Their season win total was six. Yeah, I jumped on that, and I would do it again in a heartbeat. Just so we're clear here, give everybody that bet again that you love. Illinois State at Southeast Missouri State. It is this Saturday kickoff is I want to say two o'clock should be an ESPN plus game right it, it's I, I don't even think it's plus I think it's just 
ESPN3. For a while now, they've had uh, the playoffs on just ESPN3. You don't even need the extra stuff. Uh, 2 p.m. kickoff, Saturday, November 30th. Illinois State, as of right now, looking at five dimes, is a two-and-a-half-point road favorite at Southeast Missouri State. I am going to hammer that shit. Last thing on that game, and then we'll wrap it up here. If that line starts to move, where should people stop? It would have to move a pretty aggressively in the other direction. I mean, if Southeast Missouri State is minus three, I'm still betting them. And right now they're almost plus three. So it would have to move drastically, you know, almost 10 points in the other direction before I would think about not betting it. And that's not going to happen. I I really don't think there's going to be that much action on an FCS playoff game, but I've been wrong before. Hey, really quickly, next week plug before we head out. Eddie George will be on the show. Uh, very excited about that. So give the pod a subscribe. We'd love to have you back. That will be on Tuesday night. So Chase and I are going to reconvene on Tuesday night right after the playoff rankings, uh, look at conference championship games, talk about FCS playoff lines, all that kind of stuff, and then I'll get that published right away on Tuesday night after Eddie is on. would love to have all of you back. We'll be back on Sunday morning, though, before then, after Minnesota-Wisconsin, after Ohio State-Michigan, after Bedlam, after Memphis-Cincinnati, after Chase cleans up on that bet. There's going to be a lot to unpack in college football entering those conference championship games. Thanks for dropping by the High Motor Podcast. We will see you back here on Sunday. I saw a friend today, it had been a while And we forgot each other's names But it didn't matter cause deep inside The feeling still remained the same We talked of knowing one before you've met And how you feel more than you see And other worlds that lie in spaces in between